Uh, I really felt that we were to explore uh, what the early church devoted themselves to in their early stages of their church journey. And so last week we uh, looked at uh, Acts 2.42, a very famous passage where it says that the early church devoted themselves to a number of things. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, the, uh, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so last week we looked at kind of all of those things quite quickly, but we especially looked at this idea that they devoted themselves to fellowship, to koinonia, which isn't just about, um, it's not just about a nice kind of moment, but it's about a deep love for one another, a connection, and uh, it's, um, it's nothing less than friendship, it's a whole lot more than that. And this idea that they devoted themselves, so there's a sense of commitment and, and they chose that, which you guys uh, have done as you've engaged with the big feed and, and many other things, a sense of like, okay, we're going we're gonna to devote ourselves to making this thing really beautiful. What I'd like to do this morning is look at, at the idea of prayer, that the early church devoted themselves to prayer. And... Uh, I just one of my uh, friends posted this on Facebook, which was a quote from his own sermon, which I thought was, um, in fact, I'm I'm sure one of his underlings put it up. But anyway, he, I thought it was very good. It's a guy called Matt Newton, who's the vicar of uh, St Augustine's Anglican Church up in Auckland, um, who actually. Uh, uh, the main reason that me and Jen can put bread on the table at the moment, so we're grateful for them, an Anglican church supporting the pastors of a vineyard church. I just love how this whole thing kind of plays out. Uh, and so I, I'm very a big fan of their church on multiple levels. Um, but he, he said this last Sunday, my friend Matt Newton, in a sermon, he said this, much of current Western thinking understands the church as like a, as like a petrol station where you go to get your spiritual tank filled. The Bible understands the church more like a karate dojo, where you learn through practice and copying the way of the master, Jesus. Our lives can then become a reflection of his. I, I just love that. That's a great uh, little picture, I think, because the reality is that it is. it can be like that church sometimes where it's like, we go out of habit and then, you know, we start doing worship songs or open the Bible. So, oh, that's right, Jesus. That's hello again. <laughs> Good to see you again. Sweet last week, this time, same place. And, uh, and, uh, and then you kind of leave and, oh, yep, you know, going to give it a good nudge this week. And then kind of life just takes over. And then you kind of hit next Sunday, oh, hi, Jesus. And, uh, and it's sort of like, and there's a real danger that you can just have, to have this little petrol station mentality. But the early church understood that uh, as, they, as they got going, that it was about learning to, outwork the way and the message of Jesus Christ. And that was kind of what they're all about. And I'm going to talk about this tonight. I love tonight's session on the Big Picture course because we look at some of the metaphors in the Scriptures about what the church is called. And one of them is the body. It's the body of Christ. So we are, we are as a group, called to be the body of Christ here in Napier. So we then need to work out what does it look like to follow the way of Jesus in this day and age and to be a blessing to the city and to the Hastings, to the you know the hillbillies out there, and to all the uh, people from all the different places around the bay, and so we've got to work we've got to work that out. And so one of the uh, so the early church get together and they're like, what are we going to devote ourselves to? And it's um, you know it's to these things to, to fellowship, but to prayer. It's fascinating. They they said they devoted themselves to prayer, and in the NRS fee, which is a more accurate trend. Sorry, by the way, there's very few slides today. I've been at my sister's wedding, and it's all been a bit mental. So last week we had powerpoints and scriptures, and uh, you know if you've got your Bible, then you can. But I've got a bunch of scriptures here. But um, uh, this is this is more uh, of a, of a talk than a visual thing today. That's good. And the NRSV, which is the is a more accurate translation to. 
to the original Greek, it says they devoted themselves to the prayers, not just to prayer. They devoted themselves to the prayers. And what they meant by that were their actual, the prayers that the uh, that um, Israelites, good Israelites, would know just by rote. They would know certain psalms just off by heart. And so they would devote themselves to the prayers by saying these sorts of prayers. Now, does that mean they didn't have any spontaneous prayer? Of course not. They, I'm sure they, um, you know, the Holy Spirit was poured out, so I'm sure they were going for it in tongues and praying, you know, about the needs that were going on and all the rest of it. But they devoted themselves to the prayers, which is a very interesting thought. Now, uh, they were looking at the life of Jesus and going, like, how can we outwork that now? Now, so let's rewind and look at the life of Jesus. And uh, the disciples are hanging out with Jesus and they notice that he's uh, often just sneaking off to have times with... <laughs> Got on your map. Um, <laughs> name and shame, no jokes. <laughs> well, I kind of did, but it's all right. Um, so let's look to Jesus. And uh, so he he'd had his whole crowd of disciples. Now, the disciples grew up in, in a praying culture so the disciples knew what it was to pray prayers. They would go to the synagogue and they'd have set times during the day when they would pray. But when they saw Jesus praying, they said to Jesus a number of times, they said, teach us how to pray. Not because they didn't know some prayers, but because what they saw in Jesus was more beautiful than they had experienced themselves. And this is the, the whole gig with prayer. Because again, I'm not... <laughs> I always feel nervous about this because I don't. I want to challenge you, but I don't want to make you feel stink. That's the dance of the the, the sermon. I want to challenge you and, and encourage you, but I don't want to make you feel stink. So some of you are like, "Oh Lord, I don't know how to pray. I'm terrible at praying. I can't remember the last time I had a quiet time or whatever." And no, no dramas, okay? That's all, G. I'm not. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but there is an invitation to a more richer and beautiful life. And the whole point of praying is that you would draw near to your heavenly Father. Like it's such a, and here's the beauty. Every time I hang out with God, in spite of all of my mistakes and the things I'm ashamed about and my bad habits and my lack of you know, self-control on the road in terms of road rage and all that sort of stuff, all, when I hang out with God, He doesn't come and just remind me of how stink I am. I always, I just was thinking about this, I was preparing the sermon. Every time I hang out with God, I feel loved. In spite of all of that, it's weird. I don't feel stink. And if you do, you've got a really distorted image of who God is. Really distorted. He's good and He loves you and He's for you. And there's no more beautiful place to hang out than in His presence. But what's happened is that we've got into this rushed, stressed, crazy, foot-to-the-floor lifestyle that we've normalized. And so we've struggled to withdraw, as David would say, to, to find a refuge in God, to hide in the cleft of the rock, to be covered by the wings of the Almighty. As Jesus would often do, withdraw to lonely places, not because prayer is what good Christians do, is because he loved hanging out with his heavenly father. It was just a beautiful place. for, And with all the demands on Jesus' life, which were more than you, yours, like he came to save the world. He's like the full-on Avenger. <laughs> I love that our kids have got the, uh, it's, a bay, it's a bay thing, but anyway, a bay kids thing. We've got the, we've got the, oh, don't worry, sorry, anyway, tangent. Oh, Lord, help me. Um, but the, he, 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 like he had the, the, so much, demand on him 
People wanted to be with him. Of course, he was so stunning to be around. Crowds longed to be with him. He was just the best guy to hang out with. Not only that, he had so much that he had to shape and teach his disciples uh, that are recorded in our scriptures. He had so much pressure on him. And yet he consistently sneaking off, disappointing the crowds, disappointing his disciples, disappointing just everyone to, to selfishly go away and hang out with his heavenly father because it's the most important relationship there is. And it was the case for Jesus, it's the case for us today. And so the disciples were like, you've got to teach us how to pray. And so what I want to do is, is look at how Jesus unpacked that with his disciples so that we can devote ourselves to prayer as a church. Now, a, a couple of things. Firstly, um, there's, Jesus operated on multiple levels always in terms of um, uh, his focus. So, uh, and, and we talk about this tonight in the Big Picture course, but one of the filters I love talking about is this idea of up and and out, that Jesus lived his life in three dimensions and invites us to do the same. He lived his life upwards in his relationship with his Father, inwards with his community, and outwards into a world that needed uh, desperately healing and love and mercy. And we're called to do the same. We're called to live our lives upward in this relationship and communion with God that's, called, that's we're, it's invited to grow deeper and richer and more beautiful as we go, inwards so that we we have a greater and greater love for one another and it's richer and richer there and outward that our lives aren't just for ourselves, that we are blessed to be a blessing to others and to bring hope and life to others. And so Jesus is, so it's interesting that as Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, there's this kind of dimension going on with the up and the in and the out. And so I want to look at uh, the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. But a couple of thoughts. Firstly, um, you're going to have to fight. It's a radically countercultural thing to do. You're going to have to fight to make the time to hang out with Jesus. Like, it's just a mission. I've been a Christian forever. So you go, most of you guys know my story. I got born as a Christian and like the whole thing, man. I've been Christian, dad's an anchor minister. And the whole, you know, like, I've been Christian forever. It's a battle, man. I've got to fight. I've got to diarize. I've got to prioritize. I've got to like just fight for it because there's two things that constantly seem to be just a mission. It's hanging out with Jesus and having prayer and reading the Bible, right? This is a nightmare. Constantly I've got to choose it and fight for it. And then when I, you know, and the more, and here's the thing, if you fall off the wagon, it's okay. God of grace and mercy, just come back to the table. Oh gee, reset. Don't let your sin propel you towards God, not away from him. Okay, so it's like if I make, so I've got in the habit, the reason I'm st as a pastor and hanging in there with Jesus, because I've got in the habit of getting back on the wagon when I've fallen off it. And so if you're falling off the wagon on Bible or prayer, then just get back on the wagon. It's not a big deal. The enemy wants to keep you off the wagon. God's like, just get back on the wagon. No problem. Just get download the Bible in a year app or start reading again, whatever it may be. It's all gee. And prayer, okay, I've done that for a while. Or the rhythms have fallen off the wagon or whatever. Let's try it again. Let's give it another nudge. And here's the thing. You, you fall off the wagon, you get back on again. You fall off the wagon, you get back on again. You fall off the wagon and you do that over your whole life. And there will be a point in your 50s or 60s or 70s where all of a sudden you're on the wagon and you're staying on the wagon and it's like it's just who you are. You're a wagon person. You're a wagon dweller because you've just chosen to get back on the wagon all the time. But don't think it's anything like other than that. It's constantly choosing this again. It's constantly saying, sorry, God, you're back on top of the agenda in terms of my diary or my time or whatever it may be, okay? So let's just get back on the wagon. And, and I'm, you know, I, I get convicted days before I preach. <laughs> so I've kind of been already convicted on some of this stuff and sorted my life out three days ago. So, you know, join me back on the wagon and let's just go for it, okay? So Jesus, uh, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. 
And it's important to know, okay, so he says this, and and where he lands, do you want to bring this up, Caleb, is he teaches him what we call the Lord's Prayer. So the disciples ask him, teach us how to pray. And he teaches them this prayer. Now, it's crucial that you understand that when a rabbi was asked a question like this, like how do you pray or what do you, he would give something like this sometimes. They'll give a framework like this, but it was always meant to be a framework. It wasn't actually to be used just by rote. Now, there's nothing wrong with using it by rote. Um, we've taught our, like our little boys to pray the Lord's Prayer. So every night they just go through by rote the Lord's Prayer. It's a cool little tool. It's just a great thing to have that you can just pull that out, especially when you're under pressure. It's like, bam, you know, you find out some, you know, someone's died or there's sickness, and you're like, I can just go to these prayers that I've memorized. And you just, um, but they were just meant to be a framework uh, that we would use to riff off, to pray just a structure, like a trellis that something could grow on. And, and this is the thing, it's interesting, because I, I grew up in the Anglican church, and because I used some Anglican liturgy this morning in our, um, in our time of taking communion, I used to think, oh, liturgy, Lord, you know, take me now, not again, you know, and uh, this is so boring, and there's no, it's a, and this is my line, there's no life in it. And I got challenged by this recently, um, where someone was like, it's the wrong category to put liturgy because liturgy isn't dead or alive. Liturgy is actually true or false. That's the category to put liturgy. It's either true or false. Now, whether I'm dead or alive is a different story, but the liturgy isn't dead or alive. It's, it's not. It's a bunch of words. It's either true or false. That's the category to put liturgy in. And I've fallen in love with liturgy in the last number of years, not just because I want to switch my mind off when I pray, but here's the thing. I want to trust prayers that are wiser than mine, prayers that have been vetted by the church over the years and prayers that aren't just my lame, same old prayers. And I heard a guy called Brian Zand, who's just an incredible thinker and author, and he says this, we've placed an intolerable burden on people's prayer lives to say, just go and pray. The early church didn't do that. They devoted themselves to the prayers. So they had these prayers that they would use as a framework for their private times with Jesus, for their, their communion with God. And Jesus himself taught this prayer to his disciples. Now, there's all sorts of other prayers that you can use. And we will, again, cycle back on the subject many, many times because this is my dream for Bay Vineyard Church, Bay Vineyardites. We've got to find a better name, but Bay Vineyardites. This is my dream, is that you would have a contemplative private world with Jesus and a charismatic public world with Jesus. So what I mean by that, but like when we get together and have prayer meetings, we're going to pray in tongues. You know, the spiritual temperature is going to go up as we get to know each other and God does some stuff. So we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to do stuff. I'm a charismatic. I'm into the things of the Holy Spirit. Tongues, healing, prophecy, you name it. We're going to go for it. You know, but we're just going to take a journey there. We're not going to rush that. That's something. He comes down. We don't hype him up. Okay, so at this stage, I'm not going to be pushing for something that's not right. We need to form intimacy and it's, there's vulnerability in those moments. But we're going to, the Holy Spirit has freedom in this church to do what He wants to do. So I want us to have a charismatic public gatherings from time to time. We're going to sing songs. We're going to do that. But then privately, I would contend you, you need to have a contemplative style of private devotional life with Jesus. It's very difficult to have any other style of, of private world with Jesus. 
any other types of quiet times. Very difficult. And I've fallen in love with the, cont- the contemplative. Um, daily offices, set times in the day that you choose to withdraw and pray. Set prayers that you use to, to riff off, that, that just um, that ground your prayers. Because so, the danger is that if you're a fearful person, you just pray fearful prayers. If you're a greedy person, you just pray greedy prayers. If you're an anxious person, you just pray anxious prayers. Well, how about I let the church, uh, prayers that the church has used over centuries and centuries and centuries shape my prayer life, and then, uh, and this, I, I can't talk about this today because I'm already on a massive tangent. I didn't plan to go on. But, uh, but in my, in my pri- in these sort of set prayers for me, then there's times that are where I can freestyle it and pray for my family and pray for whatever. But I work my way through certain prayers that help, me gr- that help ground my prayer life uh, in, in a way that um, is, is way deeper than if I'm just trying to make this stuff up myself. And so Jesus does this. So let's quickly work through, because there's two, two prayers I want to focus on this morning. First is our Lord's Prayer. So he teaches, um, he teaches them these, these specific phrases, uh, and he says, here's how I want you to pray. He says this, firstly, our Father in heaven. Now the word that he uses there is Abba. It's a very intimate word. It's, it's the equivalent to probably Daddy, uh, um, and to this day, and it's only once in the, in the epistles do they actually use the word Abba because I think Paul and everyone else is like, feels uncomfortable with how intimate the languages that Jesus uses when he talks about his relationship with God. But how cool, our Father, our Daddy in heaven. Ah, feels weird even saying it because he's holy and he's righteous, and he, but he's also our friend. And He delights in us, and He is our Heavenly Father. So our Father in Heaven. So um, here's, this is what I want to encourage you to do, just to try over the next couple of weeks in your own private world with Jesus, is to use the Lord's Prayer. So for example, and just riff off everything you can. So our, let's start there. <laughs> Thank you that it's not just my Father, it's our Father. Have you thought about that? Our Father. So thank you, Lord, that I'm part of a, a church, Little C, Bay Vineyard. Thank you for your capital C, for your church worldwide. Thank you that there are brothers and sisters all around the world that I'm part of. It's our, your Our Father. I thank you that it was always about community with you. The Trinity is a community. I'm, again, I'm just spitballing here, but it's like, and you just, again, you're, this is a, a trellis that shapes my prayer. Our Father, I thank you. Thank you that you're my Abba Father. Help me understand that. That's cray-cray to me. It's insane. Give me a revelation that you are my Father. I want to know that. I want to feel that. Do you hear what I'm saying? So you just start reusing this prayer. So you work your way through. Hallowed be your name. Holy are you, Lord. And again, if you've got heaps of time, all right, let's listen to whatever Christmas singing this week. You know, I exalt thee. Or te- you know, I'm just going to worship you, Lord. Holy, hallowed. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. I'm going to worship you. Um, you know, I loved uh, that word that was given on the, with one of the Psalms today. And um, Psalm 103, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. As we're praying before the service, I was reminded that David would sometimes speak to his soul and tell it to wake up, right? Awake my soul. Uh, and like how many, you know, you know, exact, I'm an atheist until I've had about my fourth coffee, I reckon. I'm like, even there, God, and like, I'm a pastor and uh, have an existential crisis. And then fourth coffee, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know. And sometimes we're in that place where it's like, oh, man. And you have to like awake my soul to, res- to, to be sensitive to the glory of God and to feel the presence of God and to all the clutter of my mind, Lord, awake my soul so I could hallowed, so I could just say, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is again fascinating. There's so much I want to pray about. 
Like I'm like, Lord, help us you know, lead Bay Vineyard and we need some more money and, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, let's pray his agenda first rather than my agenda. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. So, Lord, help me see the brokenness in Napier and in Hastings and in the Bay. And, Lord, what, then activate my imagination to see the alternative reality that you want to see become reality. What does your kingdom look like breaking and how can, what does it look like today, Lord, as I begin my day to be a person who sees in some small way the advancement of your kingdom through the love, to bring love to somebody who is hurting or to, to pay attention to somebody that most of society overlooks or whatever it may be. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, I would just love to play that Bible project video all over again. The reunification of heaven and earth is the story of the Bible. And that's what we are about, is seeing God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's at the heart of the Lord's prayer that that future reality when the world is restored to the way it should be breaks into the present now. And the death and, and resurrection of Jesus sees that final battle uh, has been taken care of, but we live in this in-between time where we long to see it, the consummation of that victory in the world around us. Until that day, Lord, bring that future reality break into the present. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And, uh, and then give us today our daily bread. All right, now you can start saying to God, all right, there's a few things that's uh, on the agenda, Lord. I don't have the latest iPhone. It's a situation. So, uh, Lord, we've got to sort this out. You know, whatever it may be that you're, uh, that's on your... But also there may be, you know, a joke, but there's personal stuff we're going through. Lord, I, I need your provision here. And this is, again, when it comes to... I'm gonna, I can't, uh, this sounds weird, and I know many of you are going to shut up. I can't wait to talk about giving. Uh, because there's some cultural stuff I want to build in terms of how we respond to even the declaration we're going to take up our offering this morning. Because uh, the, the Bible says he's about, he, he, he loves hilarious, cheerful givers. And uh, I want to I unpack that a little bit about how we could outwork that practically. That's another sermon for another day. But this acknowledges this moment of saying, it's all yours. Like, it's all yours. There's no lack in you. There's no resource that's not available to you. And I tell you what, we have seen God's provision in the most insane ways. Like the reason we're here is because of his unbelievable provision. The reason we've got some speakers and stuff is his unbelievable provision. You're here, unbelievable provision. We've got a little house in Onikawa. Un Thank you, Anglican Pension Board. Unbelievable provision. Our kids got into the school. That's the Catholic one, and you can't normally get in there that easily. Unbelievable provision. He's good at giving us our daily bread, particularly when our lives are lined up with his will and his purposes, where it's like, I'm trying to live for you. God, I want to do it. But you're going to have to help us out here because I'm taking some leaps of faith, and I I need your provision. Or it may be just, Lord, I want my son not to be sick anymore. Well, you know, me and Jenny, every single night, we pray before we go to sleep every night. And normally it's like, Lord, please give us a good night's sleep. Lord, tonight, may they sleep through and maybe even sleep in if you're real. You know, <laughs> no, don't, don't say that. Forgive us our, our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, I don't want to unpack this. Uh, and for the sake of time, I want to keep moving. But, but again, this is riffing off. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Give me an awareness, a revelation of how forgiven I am because people have hurt me and will hurt me. But Lord, help me become more like you so that I can extend forgiveness and let you be the judge, not me. And let you take control. It's interesting that in the West, we struggle with um, a, a God of judgment. But if you live in the two-thirds world and your village has been smashed over and you've 
seen your family go through hell and back and horrific things have happened, then the judgment of God is something that brings you great hope because you're saying, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm going to let God judge and vindicate me. And so uh, sometimes it's like, actually, we've got to let go of the sense of like, I want to just, you know, we've all, you know, we're all on a journey on this and I've got a long way to go, but, you know, we've all imagined what we'd like to do to people or, you know how you write the perfect email in your head? <laughs> or like, you know, the perfect comeback that you think about three days later into that heated moment and you're like, oh, finally I just said, ah, take that, you know, and it's a, uh, and actually, forgive us, no, Lord, forgive me, as, and help me to forgive others. And God may bring someone to my Lord, I want to extend forgiveness to that person. And, and you know, again, Desmond Tutu, I think it says that unforgiveness is like um, drinking uh, poison and hoping the other person dies, you know. It's sort of like, there's that sense of like, they don't care that you're stewing about that situation. No, they're just probably having a great time on the golf course for all, you know, you know. But... It lets you off the hook, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to extend mercy and forgiveness to them. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, and again, it's like, Lord, yeah, I'm praying this a lot. I think most guys probably need to pray this regularly, and women, I don't know whether it's um, shopping or whatever it is for you, but for, I know for us guys what normally it is, it's like, Lord, just help us to stay uh, righteous and help us to stay holy and help us to walk along the paths of life. Because every other path, there's consequences and there's pain and there's, there's impact there. So, Lord, lead us not into temptation. And that's not the Lord that would lead us into temptation. It's the evil one. So deliver us from the evil one. The, the, uh, the better translation is do not allow us to be led into, into temptation there. For yours, And then the doxology, which actually was added later. So this wasn't when you'll notice in Luke uh, 11 and Matthew's equivalent that the doxology is not there, but the church put this on at the end, which is so beautiful, the doxology, this beautiful prayer for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. What a great way to finish a prayer time. And, you know, um, this gives you a framework that with you, you spend 10 minutes working your way through this. Um, and for, for mums, I know this is really tricky. You know, certainly with the school holidays coming up and all the rest of it. But just go to the toilet, <laughs> take the 10 minutes, uh, to, whatever it may be, you know, um, or, or to talk to your significant other or do whatever you can to make this the ultimate priority. And I, I, I promise you, at the end of the 10 minutes, just working your way through this, your soul will just feel fed and full and you'll feel just at peace in your own soul and things will be put into perspective that weren't beforehand. And so Jesus invites us into this beautiful uh, place of intimacy. And this is just one prayer of many that we can use to shape our devotional life. The second thing I want to focus on in terms of how we pray is how we, um, is how we pray for, uh, for our friends that don't know Jesus yet. Because again, there's always an outward element to this. Now, uh, these are the sermon notes. Um, so Joe, do you want to hand out um, on that side? And uh, Luke, do you want to jump on the other side? So this is the rest of my sermon. Um, and so I want you to keep these. And this is uh, on the back of this uh, business card I'm giving you. It's got some scriptures that I want to invite you to pray. Again, here's the challenge, friends. Bay Vineyard, we've been going for five weeks. There's been one challenge so far, and that's do the big feed. Here's the second challenge, should you choose to accept it, is that over the next two weeks, over the school holidays, that you'd pray for one person every day for one minute. Now, you can pray more than that, but I'm trying to keep the bar low, okay? One minute. 
can set your watch to it or whatever you want to do. And I want to invite you to pray uh, these five things because we are going to run the Alpha course in term two. And the Alpha course is the best evangelistic tool I've ever seen. It is absolutely awesome. It's just rocking. I've done it many, many times and I've become a Christian on every course just about. I just love it. Uh, I've learned every, I've been a pastor, I've studied theology, all that. I learn stuff every single time. And we've got the wonderful uh, Bryson and Ariana who are going to host the Alpha Course next term. But my dream is that, again, in the culture of our church, that this will be a re- probably twice a year that we're going to run the Alpha Course. And it's going to be a big deal because we're going to run it as beautifully as we possibly can. And um, in fact, I'm going to play the opening talk uh, as a sermon in two weeks' time. And it is the best talk you'll ever hear. It's honestly a talk I want the world to see. I, I'm genuinely serious. I, somehow we've got to get this out here. It's the best talk I've ever seen in terms of just a basic presentation of why we follow Jesus. It's stunning. It's moving. It's beautiful. And what I'd love you to even, you know, now we'll, here's the thing. We've got some evangelists. My wife, who's looking after our very, very tired kids this morning, uh, is an evangelist. She's just all over it. It just, she scares me with how courageous she is. I'm like, always like, ooh, you said what? Ooh. You know, but she, she's an evangelist. Matt Kim, Matt, uh, is he helping out with the kids today? He's an evangelist. Some of you guys are evangelists where it's like you're so courageous and you love sharing your faith and you do, you are released, because not that you were ever in captivity, but whatever, you were like mandated to go bananas as an evangelist in Jesus' name over the next two weeks and invite as many people as you can to our course. If we have to pack them in there to Bryce and it's great. Uh, because again, what happened in the early church is that, uh, is that every day people became Christians. And I don't, again, I don't, I don't want to muck around here. I want people to know His love, who He really is. But so often, but here's the thing, for the rest of you guys who aren't like, I'm an amazing evangelist, me, if you're rubbish as an evangelist, this is the cheat's guide to not feeling stink about it, okay? So, because all of us can pray. All of us can pray. So, uh, this is what I want to encourage you to think about as I'm preaching one person that you could pray for over the next two weeks. Now, they may not even be local. I don't care. I don't, this isn't just about Alpha. This is about God doing something beautiful. And so, this now, uh, a guy called Chris Hodges, who is just a genius. So, this isn't a Sam Harvey original. This is all stolen from Chris Hodges. It's brilliant, okay? Uh, and so, this is, this is what he, he's got his church doing all the time. And we started doing this. Um, and in fact, Joe Domigan became a Christian because Chris Domigan uh, put Joe's name on the little card many, many years ago. And not in uh, our previous church, but they were doing something similar. And Nick Minute, um, she's in Napier and, uh, and uh, all go. So, so I want to quickly work through uh, these scriptures so that you understand, so you can pray passionately. So what I want you to do in your private world with Jesus is to use the Lord's Prayer and then to go through this for the closing minute, okay? Now, here's the thing. So we're going to work through this. This First thing, pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. In John 6, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. I'm so passionate about this because I've seen the fruit of it. We were doing this in our previous church in Christchurch because we heard Chris Hodges talk about it. Like, oh, we'll give it a try. Now, I'm skeptical pants normally, just as a default. So I'm not normally like, oh, yeah, yeah. But I, with my, so we, we began doing this and... I was preaching one Sunday and then we just invited people to come up for prayer or I can't remember what it was. So this guy comes up and I start praying for him and I'm like, um, you know, so what do you need prayer for? He's like, oh, 
to be honest, it's the first time I've been to church, like in like 10 years or something. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And he's like, then he's just weeping and God's like meeting him. And it's like, and I'm like, well, bro, like what, how did you wind up here? And he's like, you know, my blinking mum has been praying for me. And she even said that she's released the hounds of heaven. And like, and to be honest, I just wound up here. I don't even know how I wound up here. And I'm like, I'm here. And I'm like, oh, this is so full on. And, you know, and I'm like, and I'm in the middle of thinking about this stuff because we're about to do it. And I'm like, what? Your mum, what? And here's the thing. Let's pray that the, that, that, um, that the Father would draw them to Jesus. Release some hounds of heaven. <laughs> over, just say, Lord, I pray for that person. Lord, would you just chase them? Draw them to the Father. Jesus, be hounding them. Draw them to the Father. That they would know the Father's love. Again, so this is for the, all the rubbish evangelists. I can pray that. There's people I'm going to pray for. Lord, would you just pursue them with your love? Would you just, we release the hounds of heaven in Jesus' name to chase that person so that they would be drawn to Jesus. The second thing is uh, that we would bind the spirit that blinds their minds. Tell the spirit that blinds their minds to leave. Two Corinthians, this is fascinating. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. The God, little g, of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. When I read that, uh, like, you know, I was like, Oh, this makes so much sense. How can it be that we can be sitting here in church and we can, you know, I can feel the presence of God like tangible. Sometimes it's like, wow, it's like liquid. I can feel your presence here. And yet my mate just doesn't feel anything. What's the deal with that? How can we can be, have the sense of gathering together and be like, he's real. He really is. And he loves us, and this whole our existence makes sense, and la la la. And then my mate, you're going to go to the office tomorrow, and it's like just nothing. There's a God of this little G blinding the minds of unbelievers. My hand can be behind this little basket, but you just can't see it. So what we're praying is that God will remove the basket so you can see God for who He really is. So if you're again um, a bit of a Pentecostal background, bind the spirit that blinds their minds. Bind it in Jesus' name. I'm going to bind that spirit that blinds your minds in Jesus' name that you would see Jesus for who He is. Can you feel the power in these prayers? Like, you know, so often it's like, oh, how do you, know, how do you even begin with evangelism? Just begin by praying. And, and again, the number of times I've heard testimony where people would have like, oh, I just started to see Jesus all of a sudden. Because there is a God of this age blinding the minds of unbelievers. He doesn't want them to see how beautiful and glorious Jesus is. Third thing, pray that they would know God as their heavenly Father. This is based out of the Scripture in Romans 8.15. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And here's the, here's the second time it's mentioned in the Scriptures, Romans 8.15. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. So we've been adopted, not as slaves, but into sonship and daughtership where we have an Abba Father. And so we're going to pray that they would know God like this. People know God all sorts of ways. Most people think He's angry, judgmental, distant, um, whatever. And it's like, actually, he's, a, he's Abba Father. Pray that they would know Him. Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son is the story about God's nature. He's an awesome father who's running to people and just asking and embracing them. Uh, I, I need to illustrate this because it has to sink in our hearts. One of, uh, I heard this story from a friend of mine. So this is, this is 
one step removed from the actual people, okay? This is how close, very good friends of, of mine. And he had some friends that were adopting a child in Africa. And he wrote this to, to um, a bunch of friends as he was ruminating on this experience because they went to this African country. He said this, My friend Brian and his wife are in an African country right now. He says, I'm leaving out the details since the legal proceedings are still in process. They're adopting two five-year-old twins, a boy and a girl. This past week, Billy and Becky, the two five-year-olds, started living with Brian and his wife at the guest house where they're staying. Brian and his wife decided for now to keep the same schedule the kids were familiar with at the orphanage, including the afternoon nap times. So the kids came back to their guest house and the, both kids were immediately quiet in their bunk beds, which was in the same room as, as where they were, um, Brian and his wife were staying. He said it was really clear they were accustomed to this practice and Becky fell asleep immediately, but little Billy, the five-year-old boy, just lay there with his eyes open. This is the first day they were with their new parents. So after a few minutes, Brian, the dad, asked Billy if he'd like to come and lay on him to fall asleep. And so Billy scrambled out of bed and climbed into Brian's bed and within seconds he was sound asleep. So we've actually got a little picture. It's not working. I'll bring it up. Because um, this is just so... It's so key that uh, um, so yeah, this is so this is this is the picture. Oh, okay, I'm seeing it. Firstly, we need to look at some Star Wars. There we go, uh, and then. So this is the picture of uh, little Brian and his uh, and his son. Now this, I just um, yeah, good idea. Um, can zoom in if you want. I just think this is the most stunning picture of God's. And this is what he wrote: We all rest more easily in the loving embrace of a father we barely know, who seems to be accepting us and loving us in ways we can't comprehend. And we feel the heartbeat, we feel the warmth, we feel the arms of acceptance on our backs, and we can rest. This is what we're praying for our friends and our family that don't know Jesus, that they would know Jesus, that the, the love of the Father just like this, just like this, that they would know him as a heavenly Father. The fourth thing that we're going to pray is that believers would cross their paths. This is from Matthew 9.38. Pray, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here's the thing. Your son or daughter or your partner may not be reached by you. God may, there may be someone else that comes across their path. So pray that believers would, would cross their path. Pray that workers would see. Uh, I remember, again, we were praying for, for one of our family members, uh, for our, our, one of our fam my um, sister's partner, uh, who she's since broken up with, but it's a different story. And, uh, and we're praying for him because we just wanted him to, to get saved. We wanted him to discover Jesus, to get to know the love of God. And so we're praying. And so I'm working. He was one of the guys that was on my list. And then I reckon God orchestrated this so I could have sermon illustrations just quietly. But um, I discovered that... Because uh, I was kind of plucking out the courage and in fact I did invite him to the Alpha and all this sort of stuff. So I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to take this seriously. 
And I was, again, skeptical pants. So I wasn't sure whether God would answer this prayer. But I discovered in talking to him that he, his best mate had become an Anglican vicar <laughs> over the years and that he uh, was in Christchurch where we were living. And, um, and this guy had been in hospital. My sister's partner had been in hospital. And his mate had been there sharing the gospel and talking about Jesus to him. And I was like, ah, the card's working. Uh, where I was like, oh, my gosh. And so pray that believers would cross their path. Pray that, and here's the thing. You can pray however you want. Here's the thing. I'm praying for the good ones to cross their path, right? There's a, there's a few, there's all sorts of, of flavors of Christian out there. Lord, send the good ones um, that, you know, probably reflect you well and do you justice. And then the last thing is that um, to release the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know God better. Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. This is what we're praying for is, is that eureka aha moment where it's like, oh, He's real. This is why I love the Alpha Course because like, as we do the Alpha Course, I'm just seeing that like, Bing, ah, He's real. He's real. And it's over the different nights of the course, it's like you see people have this revelation that he's real. It's the spirit of revelation. It's, it's like whew, all of a sudden, oh, that, that's who you are. And so this is, again, we're praying that God would, would surprise them. Would, would, there'll be this revelation, oh, my gosh, that they're loved. So that's the challenge. So they devoted themselves to pray. In the early church. Now, we haven't explored what the corporate kind of expression of that looks like. We've got some prayer groups starting in term two, small groups that are going to be uh, looking at praying for our church and praying for the bay. And, um, and I'm trying not to, to keel over as we start this church, so I'm not going to start a prayer meeting just because I want to stay sane. But um, if you want to start prayer meetings, let's devote ourselves to prayer. Let's devote. But this is the challenge at the moment is I feel let's, let's See our personal, our private world with Jesus. Let's see them go up a gear. You constantly got to get back on the wagon. Let's choose this morning. I'm going to get back on the wagon, and tomorrow morning I'm going to get up a little bit earlier, or I'm going to sneak off for lunch, or whatever it's going to. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to use some prayers. And you can find some online or whatever. I'm going to use these prayers as a as a trellis, as a structure to how I'm going to pray. And secondly, that you would um, you would use this card, write someone's name on it if you want to. If it's a bit too weird, don't. Um, I have these in my wallet, um, and I'll just pull it out. And it's you can pray over the next five days one prayer a day. You could pray all five real quick. You could pray more than one minute. I don't care. But let's pray for people. Let's. I don't want to be a church that has no faith that God isn't moving today. I believe the power of the gospel changes hearts and lives today. It's always been tricky. It was tricky in ancient Rome and Greece and all the crazy stuff going on there. And it's tricky today with the consumeristic, crazy, irreligious worldviews and all that sort of stuff. Always, been, He's bigger than all of that. And he's at work today. All of our lives were changed because we met him. And uh, I want to see lives changed. I want to see people just encounter his love. And so let's pray. Let's, let's, as, a, as a rubbish evangelist, speaking personally, at least I can do this. And I've been amazed at what we've seen. I finished with this. Uh, um, one of our good friends in uh, Christchurch, Michael Bush, for those that are from Christchurch, uh, she was also a sceptical pants. And, uh, but she was like, okay, I'll give it a nudge. And so she started praying for her neighbour, who she got on really well with. And, and she thought it wasn't working. <laughs> which I like, you know, this is all, but, but, you know, whatever. But she gave it a good nudge. And then and she, every time she's speaking to her neighbour, she's like, mm, and then she just always bailed, you know. And 
I love that. She's super honest as well, which I love as well, because no, there's no kind of like super superior, I'm better than I'm, you know, she's just real. And so she thought it wasn't really working. She's praying for a neighbour. She's good on her. She, was, she did it. And then it was like, I think the day before the banquet, and she's talking to her neighbour, and she was like, it's the day before the introductory dinner, before we have our first session. And she's like, and then she just chickened out. <laughs> love it. Honest, cool, whatever. And so the neighbor's just about to leave. And then she says to Michael, Oh, you go to church, eh? Yeah, 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 I go to church. So, like, what happened? Like, how'd you wind up in church? Oh, oh yeah. And so, like, and then just began asking her questions about Jesus and about church. And about... Now, Michael's, <laughs> Michael's sitting, standing there because her neighbor was just literally about to leave. And she's like, I didn't bring it up. I didn't ask any questions. I just asked, answered all the questions that she kind of brought up. And then to her credit, she was like, you know what? We're running this thing called the Alpha Course, which is the perfect place to go if you're kicking the tires on the Christian faith. Most people that go to this thing aren't Christians. Most people are skeptical, but you can ask any question, any questions allowed, and you can explore this stuff in a safe, hospitable place, and there's no obligation, no follow-up, no pressure, no, no, no. You can, why don't you come along? And to her shock, the neighbour said yes. And so no one was more surprised than Michael because she walked into the banquet into the first, for the first night, um, more surprised than her neighbour was that she was in a church with her neighbour, this whole thing. And I was so encouraged because it was like, this is what God does. There's, there's something mysterious about prayer. It's, there is a real spiritual battle that's going on. And it's weird. I don't know how it works. It's a mystery to me. Lots of people try to write about it, understand it. There's two things I know. Number one, when I pray, coincidences seem to happen a whole lot. It's just the second thing is that prayer primarily shapes me. I normally do it because I want to twist God's arm and make him do something that I think he should be doing. Actually, what I've discovered is that it actually forms me and shapes me, that prayer is primarily about my formation and shaping me, which is why I want to trust prayers that are wiser than mine and prayers that are richer than mine and deeper than mine. That's why I want to pray the Lord's Prayer or look at these ancient prayers that have been used throughout the centuries to frame, to be a trellis for our devotional life. So can I encourage you to, um, Jesus uh, challenged us not to be hearers, but to be doers. And the people that do the words of Jesus and apply this stuff. They are the people that builds their house on the rock. The people that hear these words and don't do it, they build their lives on sand. The biggest challenge as I preach is that you can be like, that was inspiring and that was helpful, but we don't apply anything. Information doesn't equal transformation. Application equals tra transformation. That's how our lives and everything gets changed. So my challenge to you today is what does it look like to outwork what we've been talking about today? What does it look like to devote yourself to prayer? What does it look like tomorrow? What is it, how does that impact your diary? How does that impact your rhythms, your weekly, your daily rhythms? What does it look like? And who are you going to pray for? Let me close in prayer, and then we'll uh, invite the kids. In fact, you can go get your kids at your leisure.